So today's daf is Ayn Dalid in Masech Sachim. We are starting the new parak of Ketad Solin. Deals mainly with the preparation of the Korban Pesach and the eating of the Korban Pesach, which is another side to the mitzvah, which we really dealt with in the previous prakim, that was the Hakravat Korban Pesach, which is the offering of the Korban Pesach. Now we get to the preparation and eating of the Korban Pesach. So it says, We know the Torah tells us that you have to uh, prepare the Korban Pesach. It has to be roasted um, in its whole form, right? With all of the parts uh, included. So, what you do is you take a piece of wood, basically made from the, a spit, you would call it, made from uh, the wood of a pomegranate tree, and you stick it from the mouth through the other end of the, of the uh, sheep, straight through, like basically you skewer it, and you place its feet and innards inside, and they are cooked inside of the lamb. That's Rabbi Yosei view. Rabbi Akiva Omer, no, Kevin Bishuluze, cooking these parts inside of the sheep is like cooking them. It's not roasting because they're not going to be directly over the fire. They're going to be inside of the belly, so to speak, of the sheep, and that's not going to be acceptable. Rather, you take the inside parts and the feet out and you hang them separately so they roast as well over the fire and they are not inside the belly of the sheep. You're not supposed to roast the Korban Pesach, not on a regular spit, which would normally be made of kind of metal, um, a metal stick, and you don't also use a grill. Even though you would consider that normally cooking directly over the fire, but, uh, but the problem is that metal is a conductor, so the metal itself becomes hot, and what ends up happening is that the metal cooks the Korban Pesach. It happened one time with Rabban Gamliel, that he said to his famous servant Tavi, told his servant Tavi to, to roast the Korban Pesach, on a grill. So, of course, the Gemara later is going to ask, you know, that contradicts what you just said. Are you saying a different opinion? What's going on here? But basically, the issue is that the, the metal stick will become heated and it will be the metal stick that cooks the uh, Korban Pesach instead of directly over the ash. It has to be tzli ash. It has to be cooked by the fire. And then you use wood? <coughs> so you use wood. That's why I use it. You use pomegranate wood. Now, so it's a, wood is not going to cook it. Wood doesn't become, wood doesn't, doesn't conduct heat. Yeah, it doesn't conduct heat. I mean, it could become warm, but it doesn't conduct heat like that. Uh, asks, why can't you use a metal spit? Because I did the cham miktato cham kulo, which since even, if even part of a piece of metal becomes hot, you know, the whole thing becomes hot because it conducts heat very quickly. So if you put a, a one end of a metal item over fire, the entire thing will become boiling hot. What will happen is that the sheep will be cooked, will be roasted uh, by the hot metal instead of by the fire directly. And what the Torah tells us, it has to be tzli'esh, has to be roasted by fire, not by something else, not by metal. Why can't you use a palm tree? Why we, we, Everyone here likes uh, palm trees, it makes us have much better associations than snow. Uh, so why can't we use dekel? So it says, no, because I did the itle shivei mapikmaya. The problem is that since it has like uh, rows, it's sh- the, sh- the, the structure of it, the, it, it, it it, um, so that it will it gives off moisture, right? It says shasui shurot shurot. She says it's uh, so. The problem is that it gives off moisture from its like not the nabi wood will give off uh, liquid, and that liquid will cook. You're not supposed to have any liquid here. Now what about a <clears throat> what about a fig tree? So I did the mechalchal. 
it's hollow inside the wood. So if Mayar also gives off liquid, again, we're going to have the problem of liquid cooking. What about all of these different kinds of trees? Okay. Uh, the uh, carob tree, the uh, sycamore tree, the alon is, what is it called in English? Uh, uh, that tree, I'm not sure. But all of these different trees, he says, Yoshna. Rashi says in uh, in French, what is it at the bottom? It just tells you the Hebrew alone. I'm not sure what it's called in in uh, in, in English. What kind of tree that is? I'm not really an expert on trees. I don't know. But I did the itbe kitre. What's it called? I don't know. Oh yeah. No, it says in there. But anyway, it says the itbe kitre. So since it has knots in the wood, okay, it has bumps and knots in the wood. So therefore, it's going to also mapikamaya. It's going to give off. Some kind of liquid. So she'll nami idbe kitre, but that also has knots in it, the pomegranate wood, but she a kitre, but it has smoother ones. So in other words, they're not as, they, they don't have the same property. It's a smoother kind of wood. And we're now worried that it's going to exude any liquid. We buy them alternatively. that we get a branch from a, a year old tree, the late kitre, that has not yet developed knots. And that's why we take, pick that type of tree, because in the younger stages, it doesn't have the knots in the wood yet. So then the question is, what about the place where you cut it off from the tree? There's an open hole there. No problem, you stick that part outside of the sheep. In other words, that will be on one of the other ends, one of, you know, either one of the ends of the, uh, of the sheep that's sticking out, that's attached to whatever stand you're holding it on over the fire. That will be the part that was detached from the tree. So whatever exudes liquid moisture comes out of there is not going to be a problem. But we see from here that our Mishnah does not follow Rabbi Yehuda. He says, just like you have a, uh, uh, when you use a wooden spit, Okay, and you hang it, 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 we see that what is inside does not get burned. Rashi says that uh, when you hang the sheep in a, an oven, and inside, uh, you know, and uh, it's in we don't say that what is inside is going to be burnt. So he says that basically the fact that the, uh, the we don't ever view the spit inside the animal as actually being part of the cooking, even if it heats up. So just like we don't consider the the uh, animal as being cooked by the wood that got hot inside the oven, we also don't consider that with the metal. So he would seemingly say that a metal spit would be okay. Right? We don't say that because when it comes to metal, metal is an is a very sensitive conductor of uh, heat, and therefore we do say that it takes on its own kind of heat. The metal, the wood might get warm from the fire, but it doesn't become a source of heat in its own right. But as anyone knows, you can heat up a metal uh, pan, take it off the fire, and cook an egg in it very easily when it's off the fire. I mean, if it's that hot, it will stay hot for a while, and it really becomes like a source of heat in its own right, and therefore we don't use a metal spit for the Korban Pesach roasting. That's the bottom line. But Rabbi Yehuda said that it was okay. Now, we have two different ways of doing this. We have Rabbi Yosei Aglili who says that you put these innards and everything inside the sheep, okay? And you roast it as one thing. According to Rabbi Akiva, now we're now you, you have to do it separately. Now what the um, what we're going to see here is that the, these two uh, views uh, were also held by v- different Tanaim. So Tani Rabbi Shmuel Koreu Toch Toch. Rabbi Shmuel called it Toch Toch. Toch Toch was a sa- sound that they always use to refer to uh, bubbling pots, you know? Toch Toch means like when they say cook up the beets until you hear Toch Toch. You know, that's the, uh, that it's the sound of the bubbling pot. So as she says on the side, he holds like Rabbi Yosek that you put all the innards of, you know, all the inner parts of the sheep back inside to roast in there. 
או כשמרתיחים ומתבשלים בתוכו, נשמע קול ותיחתה תוך תוך ככל הסיר. That's what she says, it sounds like a pot boiling in there because you hear it cooking inside the, uh, inside the sheep, and that's not considered cooking because it's all, there's no separate liquid being used, it's just that you're cooking it inside, you're roasting it inside the belly of the animal. But Rabbi Tarfon, Koreo Gedei Mikulas, he says, no, what you need is a, a helmeted Gedei. Kid, me, kid, me here meaning not child, but meaning young animal, right? A helmeted mikulas means helmeted because what did they do? They took the legs and the innards, according to Rabbi Akiva's version, which Rabbi Tarfon is also saying, and they suspended it over the head of the sheep. So that way, you had uh, it looked like it was wearing a helmet. So the Sanu Abanan, the rabbi thought. Um, what is the kind of what is the kind of a sheep that you're not allowed to eat on the seder of Pesach <coughs> nowadays obviously that's where somebody roasted the entire thing as one in other words it's not that you're not allowed to have lamb at the Pesach seder but you're not allowed to have something that's that's roasted all as one sheep because it looks like you're making a korban Pesach if you cut off one of the limbs and you have it's missing a limb or you boil one of the limbs so this is not considered roasting the whole thing so nobody's going to confuse that with a korban Pesach of course the question is right so the Amrat Lo so we said before that if you uh, if you have uh, if you cut off one of the limbs, right? Even if you uh, you roast it right next to the rest of the rest uh, the rest of the sheep, it's okay. Amatlo, you said that that's no problem with that. In other words, the only problem is when you do exactly what was done with the korban pesach, which is you roast the entire thing as one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you cut even one piece off and you roast it separately, even though it's right there, it's okay. So certainly, if you boil it, it shouldn't be a, a, a problem because boiling is not what we do with korban pesach. Nishlag mi it's obvious. What it means is that even if you didn't cut off that limb, that would be a little bit strange that you were roasting part of it and then you stick one leg of the sheep into a boiling pot so you at least boiled part of it you say this is obviously not a korban pesach because I'm boiling part of it technically that would satisfy the obligation of not having gedim mikulas not having something that looks like a roasted pesach on uh, the night of pesach that would confuse people and look like you're starting to or- or offer a korban pesach outside the Beit HaMikdash now I'm sorry I'm hi mulieta sharia this mulieta according to Rashi what we're talking about here is basically they would stuff he says, What they would put is like stuffed, they would stuff meat. Like we have stuffing, let's say, in a turkey that's traditionally done like for Thanksgiving or whatever, but people stuff, right? You stuff an animal with other meat and things like that um, and, uh, and, and then cook it like that. So it says, even though... So the thing is, even if you didn't soak and salt the meat that was placed inside the belly of this other animal, but you roast the whole thing, it's going to be okay. Now that's a chidush. Rashi says there that vafilo lo bishlo. It should not say bishlo. What should say filo lo malchu? Right. Even if they didn't salt, I mean, they didn't do soaking and salting. Now, according to Rashi, Rashi has an opinion that. Nobody else has. That when you do roasting, what? Everything needs to be salted. Yeah, everything needs to be salted even if you do roasting. We don't say that. We say if you roast it, that's good enough. But uh, he says, no, even, a little bit of salting, even for, the, uh, even for the roasting. But either way, so he says that even if they only ro- salted it a little bit. But the point is that, it, that roasting, according to us, works even without any salt at all. But he says that if you have, let's say, raw meat that was never salted and you stick it inside, I don't know, a turkey to stuff it and then you put that over the, uh, <laughs> over the fire to roast, so you wouldn't need melicha. 
So you might think that you don't need melichah in the thing that's directly over the fire. You don't have to salt that because the blood is going to drip off. But what about the meat that's inside that you stuffed it with that you also didn't salt? How's that going to run off? It's like, no, it's okay. It'll all run off. That's what he's saying. Mulieta. He says, it's shari, it's okay. Why isn't the outside animal, let's just imagine it's a stuffed chicken, okay? They put, they put a, uh, they, they, right? So, so let's say they stuffed the chicken with raw meat that wasn't salted. Why doesn't the chicken absorb the blood? That's the question. The way that it swallows it is uh, that it absorbs it also, it also exudes it. So meaning, yes, it's true that that raw meat that's stuffed inside, that's sending blood into the chicken, but then the chicken's sending it right back out. So it's no problem. So then he says, Is there not a support for this? Right, that seems to support what, what Rabbi Yosei, in other words, Rabbi Yosei Aglili intersects with that, right? It, support, it fits with that because Rabbi Yosei Aglili is saying that you put the parts of the animal inside the sheep and roast it like that. So you see that even though they're inside the sheep, the assumption is that the blood is going to run off from them as well, even though they're inside the sheep. So my time, I love There's a good support for you that uh, you see from here that we assume that even though you stuffed this lamb with its own innards and parts and stuff like that, the fact that you roasted over the fire, the blood is going to run off of everything. Amrei, they said, no, that might be different because over there you're dealing with a, uh, you're dealing with the, the, the animal that was slaughtered and there's a big opening in the neck that the blood will pour out of it. So you have like a, uh, you have like a drainage uh, area in the, in the animal. Here, maybe you have something that is sealed and, uh, you know, that's enclosed and it doesn't have such a big hole that you stuffed it and maybe it's very tight and there isn't an opening, easily discernible opening where the blood will run off. And yet, he's still saying that that's okay. So it's not necessarily, right? That's why it runs off in that case um, because there is the opening of the neck. But in other cases, maybe we wouldn't say that. He's not saying against this halacha. He's just saying you can't show a proof from the case of Korban Pesach to the case of the stuffed meat in another, in another animal because the stuffed meat in another animal, there might not be a drainage opening as big as there is in the Korban Pesach. But Nema Misayele, the famous case of Lev, right? You can eat the heart. People say eat your heart out, right? But they're not, but this is not talking about your heart. It's talking about uh, somebody else's, some, or another, another creature's. You can cut open. Now, obviously, the problem with the heart is that it's full of blood. So you can cut it and let out the blood. Loka, or if you didn't cut it open, then even after you cook it, you could still cut it and take the blood out. Meaning, even though you cooked it with the blood, now you normally can't do that. If you cook something in a pot with the blood in it, it's going to absorb the blood. And, and you're never going to be able to re- rehabilitate that. You can't, there's nothing you can do after the fact. But if you have the heart, even though you cooked it already, um, you can, uh, you can still open it and let the rest of the blood out afterwards, and it's no problem. Now, Rashi says the assumption of the Gemara here is that it's talking about tzli. It's talking about roasting the heart. And that's why it's saying that if you did it with the blood inside, it's not a problem because it will run off. So what do you see from there? Maitama. Isn't it? Because even though it might be true that the blood absorbs into the heart when you start roasting it, it'll go out of the walls of the heart afterwards. So it's okay because the same process that causes the blood to absorb into the heart, the blood is inside the heart. So the same process that absorb that causes the blood to absorb into the walls of the heart, which is the heat, will also cause it to exude outward and, 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 and run off. So you'll be okay. So you see from that that you can have a, uh, you can have a situation where one thing is inside the other and, even, and it penetrates all the way through. We don't say it goes one layer and it gets stuck in the walls of the heart. It's going to go all the way through. Ah, but what about, but the heart is different. The, the heart is different because it's very smooth, meaning to say that it doesn't absorb. The walls of the heart don't absorb blood. So even though you cooked it in a pot, 
It's not talking about roasting. It's like even if you cooked it in a pot with the blood inside, you could open it up afterwards and let the blood spill out and use it because it doesn't absorb anything at all. So you can't compare that to a regular situation of stuffing unsalted meat into uh, a chicken and then uh, and, and wrapping it up tight and, 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 and roasting it and assume whatever's inside will also, its blood will also run off. You can't assume it. Now the halacha before was saying that you can do that, but it's saying you can't prove it from the case of the heart. You can't prove it from the case of Korban Pesach. Now, Vaharavin, Saba, there was, what about Ravin Saba? Taflei, Hahi Bar Gozala. One time, Ravin Saba, and who does it say it really should be on the side? Rav Yeba Saba, it says on the side it could be. Um, what he did was, he basically, Rashi says, that he basically made like a meat cake. Okay, yeah. It's a, he, he made like a meat cake where inside of the Pashteda is, is, a, uh, is meat, and on the outside is dough, like a thick dough. Right, so he said that he made it like that without soaking and salting the meat inside, and then he roasted it. I guess right. Well, it was a bar gozala. It was a. It was like a chicken, right? He said, if it's good, meaning if the um, if it's a delicious taste, the uh, the dough on the outside delicious taste. I'll eat it. Meaning he didn't care about the halachic issue. He just wanted to know if it tasted good, you know? He was practical. Right? That's, that's, so he, he wasn't worried about the fact that, the, that he cooked the chicken or the, you know, the bird without salting it inside the dough. That's how Rashi interprets it. Tosfot doesn't take it as a, uh, uh, as like a thick dough. He takes it almost like the way that they make, um, like, uh, you know, they put breadcrumbs or flour on, I don't forget what you call it, but like breaded, basically, like a breaded chicken type of thing. Um, not a full dough, not a thick dough. Tosfot says thick dough would be different than this. This is talking about a lighter kind of a covering. But either way, the, yeah, we, well, Rashi says pashteda, which means like a thick dough. And Tosfot says, no, it's talking about, the, because he says the word that tafal usually means to like rub something on the outside, like a batter, not something thick, you know? But anyway, I... Yeah, so either way, so he wanted to eat it. The point is, that was talking about crumbly, uh, a type of a flour that is, uh, he says, shilsolet. It's a very fine flour, so it doesn't like stick together. It doesn't clump. So therefore the blood would run off. But maybe a dough that was more clumpy and more stuck together wouldn't run off. Right? So the one time, the Ravah came to the house of the Exilarch with the bar avzan, they made a goose. Uh, and they did the same thing. They put either a pasty kind of dough, according to Rashi, or a thin kind of batter, according to Tosfot, around it. And Amar, If I didn't see that the flour on the outside was clear as like a white zuz, a white type of a, um, of a coin, okay, that's a, so then I, then I wouldn't have eaten it. In other words, I, I, I would need to see that there's no blood that got absorbed by the flour. Otherwise, I wouldn't have eaten it. So he was worried about that, right? So, and if you're going like the hour, what we're saying up till now, that even though you put something unsalted inside the dough, it should run right off. What difference does it make if it's clear? Even if, you, even if it looks a little bit discolored, he should still be willing to eat it because he's going to assume that the blood ran off and whatever you see there is discoloration from the meat or whatever that got into the the flower, but you're not going to assume that it's blood because the blood ran off. So it says, That's talking about another kind of flower, a flower which is like, he says, he says, that is not so fine of a flower. So since it's a more sticky flower, and it's a flower that will absorb and retain the absorption more, so he was worried that if he saw any redness in there, it would be that the blood didn't fully drain off, and he'd be worried about that. And the bottom line is, says the Gemara, if we're talking about a kind of a flower which is very 
fine and doesn't clump together at all, ben asmik, ben lo asmik sharia, then whether it, you see redness or not, it doesn't matter. We assume all the blood ran off and whatever you see is just, you know, the, the meat coloring the dough. The chivarta, if you're talking about the more coarse flour, izig kizuza chivarta sharia, if it looks clear, then you, it's okay. Vila asir. And if not, then it's, uh, then, then it's going to be prohibited. If you see discoloration, you've got to be worried that the blood didn't fully run off. If it's uh, any other kind of a flower, asmik asurlo asmik then again, if it became red, it doesn't have to be totally clear. But if it became red, we're worried that it's blood. And if it didn't become red, even if it looks like a brown or something else, then it would be okay. The point is that, uh, that it, it, there are situations where we have to look at the material circumstances and determine whether the, if it's put one meat put inside another meat is different because meat the blood runs off from roasting but when we're talking about uh when we're talking about uh flour so then it's going to depend what kind of thing it is and whether it is something that is resistant to the runoff of blood in which case we might find that it will be problematic and of course the halachat nowadays is oh, you never do that because we're not experts and we don't know <laughs> you know we don't know which kind of flowers are going to prevent the blood from running off and which are going to allow it and therefore we have to be strict and so on which is the typical uh halachic conclusion from Gemarot like this, it's very difficult to translate their factual uh, cases into ours. So, hi mulieta, this mulieta, so uh, a, a, again, we're talking about uh, um, a, uh, this stuffed animal, it's stuffed with, uh, not a stuffed animal that you give to your kids, we're talking about a stuffed animal that you actually stuff with meat, right? That kind of a stuffed animal. So, the one that says it's prohibited even if you face the mouth downwards, Okay. Now, um, then it, it will be prohibited. Yeah, for drainage, it's not going to work. And the one that says it's okay, and the one that says that it's okay, even if you hold the mouth of it upwards, we still say that it runs off. And the halacha is that when it comes to uh, when it comes to this mulieta, that the stuffing of non-salted meat inside the uh, inside the non-salted carcass of the other animal, you are still allowed to you're allowed to roast them all at once, even with the mouth facing upwards, because the drainage will work anyway. Now we have three cases. Umtza is a limb of the animal that was bruised while it was alive, obviously, and therefore has more blood and it's like discolored more than you would expect. Be'e are the testicles of the animal, which are full of blood. Also, Rashi says it's talking about where they were wounded and therefore have a lot of blood. Tosafot says that's not necessary to say because really it's there always a lot of blood there. And also, Mizrike are the, like the neck that has a lot of veins that have a lot of blood in them, right? So, these areas, now this, there's a machlok within Rav Achan Ravina. We're going to see what it is in a second, but first the Gemara digresses and says, Bechola Torah Kula, the entire Torah Rav Achan Lechumra. Rav Achan is always strict, and Ravina Lekula. Ve'il Chetak Ravina. We always go with Ravina Lekula. We always go with the lenient view of Ravina against Rav Achan. But Levar Mehan Neitzlat, except for these three cases, the Rav Achan Lekula. Here Rav Achan is lenient, but Ravina Lechumra. Ve'il Chetak Rav Achan. So it's not Lekula, and in these cases, so in these cases they switch sides. Rav Achan ends up being lenient, Ravina ends up being strict, and we go like Rav Achan. So we're not. Right, we're not partial to the person; we're partial to the leniency. Right? <laughs> Who said it? We don't care. We'll take it. Right? So that's what the Gemara is saying. Now, what is the case? Hi, umza the asmik. If you have this, uh, right? So if you have this piece of meat that became red while the animal was alive, in other words, it's talking about this bruised part of the animal. If you cut it and you salt it, so no problem. You can even put it in a pot. Now, even put it in a pot is because halachically we're always more concerned about cooking things in a pot than cooking things on roasting because roasting everything runs off. But you cook it in a pot, it's going to absorb. If there's still blood in 
there after the salting, it's going to reabsorb. That's why you can't cook liver in a pot, even after, even after you salt it. It's, it's not good enough, right? So it's saying, if you, even though this was a bruised piece, if you cook, if you salt it, it's good enough, right? If you put it onto a spit and you roast it, it's definitely going to be okay because daiv, it will, it will run off. The blood will run off. So it's basically a normal piece of meat. That's what he's saying. It's a normal piece of meat, except what if you put it onto coals? Directly on the coals to cook. One allows and one prohibits because So the halacha is the question is when you put it on coals, what will happen? Will it seal the blood inside? And it's actually worse now because now you can't get it out. Right? It's going to be worse. You basically closed in the blood inside and you can't get it out by putting it on the coals. That would be worse. Or do we say no? It also will run off even from coals. It will run off. Okay? Now, it's exactly the same case. The testicles. If, the, if they cut it up and they salt it the normal way, if you look at the again, it's okay. Even, you know, for, to cook it in a pot because the soaking and salting procedure works in the normal way. Because if you, if you put it on a spit and you roast it, it'll be okay because the blood will run off. Same question. You put it on coals. You have the same machloket again. Exactly the same thing. In other words, one is saying that putting it on coals will seal the blood inside. One is saying it will draw it off. Same thing with the veiny area of the neck. So if you if you uh, uh, soak and salt it in the normal way, you're good. If you hang it from a spit with the opening of the neck downwards, it will run off and it's no problem either. However, if you put it onto coals, so again, they have the same machloket. If you put it on coals, what will be the outcome? Will the blood run off or will get sealed inside. It's interesting that they had to say the exact same thing three times. It's a little bit unusual. Normally the Gemara will say they have a case, this three cases and here's the, the cir- scenarios because basically the scenarios are exactly the same except that it mentions that the neck you have to hang it with the uh, with the opening of the uh, you know with the opening of the cut facing downwards, but everything else is exactly the same word for word. Why they had to mention it three times is not clear. But anyway, hi umtsa dasmik. So <clears throat> this is a Big machlok between Rashi and Tosfot how to read it. Okay, um, everybody pretty much agrees with the way that uh, that Tosfot reads it, which is that they would take. He says that this is talking about a piece of raw meat. See, Rashi says it's talking about the piece of meat that you did this thing on the coals with it. And then the question is, what is the status of it afterwards? Um, if you put it into vinegar, okay? But the way that Tosafot says, which is what most of the commentaries adopt as the interpretation, is that we're talking about raw meat, and you put it into um, vinegar. And they would put it into vinegar in order to prevent blood from coming out of it, okay? They would want to, they basically, it's a way of sealing, a, a sealing of the, uh, of, of the uh, blood inside, um, so that it wouldn't come out because the halacha is dam ivarim that basically if you that as long as the blood is still has never come out of a limb it's not really prohibited so they were allowed to eat raw meat even without salting it as long as the blood had never come out they don't want, now they couldn't cook it in a pot like that because then of course then the blood will come out and reabsorb into the meat and then it's, then it's a problem but if it's in its natural place in limbs we're not talking about the blood that's running off you know the blood that you see that's, you know, actual blood. We're talking about the blood that's absorbed right now in the body of the animal, in the flesh of the animal, and will come out 
if it's, uh, you know, if you cook it in a pot. Now, they would seal it. So it's saying that you, if the question is, if you put a piece of raw meat um, into, a, uh, into the uh, vinegar. So he says, he says that if you, um, if you, if the meat, you see the meat, uh, it, you see red in the, in the vinegar, right? So it says, if what happens is you put it in there, right? A smeek. So it says, If the vinegar becomes red, it's prohibited. If it doesn't become red, then it's okay. Right? Now, um, even if you don't see red, you still have to assume that the vinegar absorbed. You can't assume that if you put a raw piece of meat in there, that the vinegar didn't absorb some meat, some blood, even if you can't see it. He said, uh, more, the son of Amemar said to Ravashi, my father would drink this uh, vinegar. So obviously he wasn't concerned, right? Some say that it was Ravashi himself that he used to drink this vinegar. And, and then in this version, he wasn't telling about how his father used to drink the vinegar, but he was responding to Ravashi and he said to him, According to my father, if you used one, one vinegar uh, to uh, seal certain piece of meat, then two lo tane chalit you can't use it again because it gets weakened. Okay, my shina mechalam matmea dechaltinan be. What's the difference between that and any? And we don't usually have a measurement of the strength of the vinegar that's necessary for sealing the meat. So why would you assume that the sealing of the meat requires a vinegar that's only been that's never been used before? After all, we can use a very weak type of vinegar, and we don't worry about whether it's strong enough to seal the meat. So why here would you be worried that because it was used before? So it says hatam itele kiwa de perabe. It's not about strength necessarily. What it's about is whether the uh, whether the flavor of the pri. Rashi says tama pri omedbo. Right, since the uh, if the uh, if this is the natural state of the vinegar, so then it has the power to seal the meat. But once that natural state has already been compromised and it doesn't have its original flavor and its original quality anymore, some vinegars are weaker, some are stronger. But it has to be the original. It has to be in its natural state in order to affect the sealing of the meat. And therefore, once it's been used, um, it, it won't be able to be used again. So, but this is something we don't really do nowadays. But an interesting halacha, and of course, as I mentioned, she has a totally different take on this issue of the vinegar and when it applies and what the situation is. He attaches it to the previous discussion and says that it has to do with where somebody did this unconventional thing of putting the meat on the coals. The bus, the, it's talking about the same asmik. It's talking about actually a piece of meat that had too much blood that you put on the coals where he said it will run off. It will run off. Yeah, but if you put it in vinegar, then you might have a problem. Right, so that that would be that would create a new problem. So that's how Rashi interprets. Nobody else agrees with him. That's why most people that learn the daf go with the Tosafot's uh, interpretation, which is the standard halacha that's brought in Shulchan Aruch as well. And yeah.